Welcome, 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 ladies and gargoyles. We are Black Zyety, and we can be found across a number of social media platforms. We are at blackzyety.com. You can email us if you would like to communicate with us, and we would love to communicate with you. Blackzyety at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram at Blackxiety, and of course, obviously, our Apple podcast is Blackxiety as well. And Blackxiety is B-L-A-X-I-E-T-Y. Right, Yvonne? Absolutely right, Michelle. Exactly. So, you know, there's no good segue for what we want to talk about this week. Um, so apparently Sierra, who many of you may or may not know, um, she is, she became very famous in Atlanta in the early aughts. Um, and then, uh, and she is a great dancer. I mean, she has great vocals. She's a great dancer. She had great producers. Um, however, many of you may know her as Russell Wilson's wife. And I had to, I'm not the sports ball person. So I kept saying Westbrook and people kept correcting me. It's Russell Wilson. Um, she is Russell Wilson's wife. Um, she's also a mom twice over. Um, however, I want to say about a week ago, she posted a clip from a mega pastor named John Gray, whose church is in Lakewood, Texas. And I became a bit warm around the collar about that because his entire his his entire post is about why women are not married. The other side for any of my single sisters is a guy. What is about where 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 Lord? Where am I gonna be found, Jesus? I've been in here worshiping you, perfect in all of your ways, but I'm still single. Here's what the scripture says. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. You're not a wife when I marry you. You're a wife when I find you. And we cover this from the perspective of a married woman and a single woman. And we're both here to say it was utter bullshit. It was, it was bullshit and it was bullshit. Uh, and that's the way my grandmother said it. Um, that's bullshit. Because... Grace sort of took this <laughs> idea that you... The, the whole message of his sermon was a man doesn't find a girlfriend, he finds a wife, right? So if you want to be a wife, you have to be ready to be a wife. And so when Sierra tweeted this, it's sort of single women and women in general who have common sense uh, took it and said, wait a minute, who are you to say what a wife is? And a lot of it is rooted very much in sort of the idea of this Christian belief in that there's the Madonna and the Horicon idea and that there's only one way to be a wife and that wives are found and that our purpose is to become a wife and there were so many issues at play that so were many. really entirely and completely offensive. So I, I'm i married. Um, I've been married for almost three years and so I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the fact that he directed his entire commentary to women shows that for, for some reason he believed that the majority of his audience at that moment 
who were thinking about that topic were women. There was very little of his commentary directed towards men. And based on my experience, in a lot of black churches, mega churches, small churches, medium churches, women, married, single, otherwise, are the heart and soul of a lot of church ministries. I mean, you see us bringing water bottles to the pastor when we think he's thirsty to helping people get into the baptismal font when they're getting baptized. And to sort of stereotype them and mock them in the way he did, to me was hurtful. And it wasn't, obviously it wasn't at all helpful. And it, it sort of injected this new fruit of the spirit that doesn't exist in in the Bible. There is no sort of spirit of wife. That that's not one of the fruits of the spirit at all. And it disturbs me that my sisters were listening to that and taking it to heart because it doesn't make sense. For me, I when I listen to it, it's sort of it I'm 35 and unmarried, right? And when you say those words, there comes a certain, oh my God, you're 35 and not married. And he was sort of feeding into sort of that idea that I I have to become a certain way to be wanted. And yet, it, this is always directed towards the woman, right? The idea is that we need to make ourselves ready for whatever man comes our way. And that is, at its core, incredibly sexist, right? Because our goal should be to be found. I don't need to be found. I'm a human being. I'm right here. I'm not a piece in a scavenger hunt. I don't need you to find me. And so this language of there's only one way to be a wife and there's only one way to get married and that somehow marriage puts you on a higher plane is utterly ridiculous. Marriage does not put you on a higher plane, right? You get a partner, and that's great, and marriage is wonderful, but ultimately what it boils down to, you get a really nice tax credit, and you get someone you can't get rid of until they die or you go through a legal procedure. So it doesn't put you on like sort of a higher plane. And I so, and that language is what sort of makes single women think that's like all they need to aspire to. And it's and it's what we deal with our entire life. Marriage is supposed to be the goal. And it takes agency away from women. Yes. Right? You should be found. Well, maybe yeah. I don't want the person that finds me, right? You've taken away my agency. You've taken away my ability to sort of choose who I want in a partner. It's all garbage. Sierra, I am incredibly happy you found love. Yes, girl, yes. But do not think that that's the only way people find love or that's the only thing people want out of their own lives. So keep your garbage. Right. Um, it bothers me because it in this whole political, social environment that we've gone got going on it bothers me that people are saying this is you know this is what christianity is this is what this is what you know we as christians believe and it's like nah son that's not that doesn't even jive with what i've read like because mary, the story of mary magdalene is very different from what john gray is talking about because mary magdalene basically was being sex trafficked mm -hmm. Um, it, it's very different from the story of Mary, the 
mother of Jesus. It's all of this is very divergent from what we can read. And so it bothers me when people who are Christians say, you know what? I think this is what Jesus probably might have said if he was still here and involved in this exact situation, which is not what we should be going on. And so from there we go into. So along the same line of talking about the, the, the value of black women. There has been a huge story about Netflix, Monique and Wanda Sykes. Um, Monique, who is an Academy Award winning actress. She is. Yes. Had a very, a fairly successful sitcom in the nineties. Um, recently asked people to boycott Netflix because they were lowballing her and only wanted to pay her $500,000 for a comedy special and she was citing the fact that um, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle got $20 million and Amy Schumer got $11 million and that they weren't giving her what she's worth. Here's the thing. It is a fact. Black women, more often than not, are lowballed about what they get paid, right? Yes. Wanda Sykes even came out and said that Netflix tried to give her less than what she felt she was worth. I'm going to go ahead and put a number on that. They offered Wanda Sykes $250,000. Really? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Wanda Sykes is clearly worth more than $250,000. If she gave me her hair care routine, it would be worth more than $250,000 because her hair is bombs. And Wanda Sykes, I think, is the reason people took notice because Monique wanted you to boycott Netflix. Um... When the fact of the matter is, Monique was citing people who are currently successful comedians. Right? Dave Chappelle should never have been thrown <laughs> thrown into that mix. They are either successful comedians yeah. or legends who have sort of been consistently good for a long period of time. Monique has not been working as a comedian in a very long time, right? Or he, she may have been working as a comedian. She hasn't been out there. We haven't seen her in a while. Um, and so while I think $500,000 may have been low, Yes. I don't think she is worth what she thinks she's worth. And that's that's one of those it that's one of those issues that for African for African American black issues, we always have to decide who's going to be the best face. Like we never just get to you know what I'm saying? Like even when we were trying to integrate schools, like they went through hundreds of black kids before they found the right ones. Yeah. Just the whole work of trying to find the right face. That's an issue all by itself that, I mean, we could go on that for three hours. And truth be told, Monique is probably not that face, right? She's, she has been messy in the past. <laughs> she was messy in her Oscar campaigns, talking about I, I'm not going to play the game, but still showing up to get the award. Um, she's not a particular, she can be a messy person. I and, just don't think she's that funny. Like and she's not funny. <laughs> like to me, I just that to me is the thing. Like when I hear Wanda Sykes' voice, I am already prepared to laugh my ass off. Period. Dave Chappelle, he's he, Dave Chappelle shouldn't have been in, involved in that at all because he's he's somewhere else. Just like Kevin Hart wasn't involved. Put Dave over there. I personally have watched Chris Rock's career from SNL. I've always loved SNL. I've never been as tickled by Chris Rock as I have by Dave Chappelle and Wanda Sykes. I'm just... But you can't deny that there are people who are who do find Chris Rock funny. They right? do. Right? I, I think, guess. I think Amy Schumer is trash. 
But I cannot deny the fact. I don't find her funny. I don't. I, I can't deny the fact that there are a lot of people who find her funny. I can't either. I find her pretty freaking racist. Um, I just, I mean, it's, but there are it's people who very, find her funny. It's just very observational humor, which I got my fill of with Jerry Seinfeld. I didn't find him funny either, but I wouldn't argue that Jerry Seinfeld, if you want to pay, if he wants fifteen million dollars, Netflix will pay him fifteen I mean, million dollars. Uh, Seinfeld was on for nine seasons. Yeah. Like, I can't I mean, deny the fact that he is worth what he asked for. And Wanda Sykes clearly should be making at least 2 to $3 million, right? Wanda Sykes is hilarious. And she's an activist. Yeah. Bye. Uh-uh. Netflix lowballed her. And so I think when we start, when I started paying attention to it was when Wanda did it. And it sucks that they had to have a face. Wanda had to become that face for me to pay attention. But she kind of did. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, and it, it, it almost ties back into this what we were just talking about with John Gray about what's the acceptable role for a black woman. So what what's the acceptable face for this movement for black women? Is it okay? Is, is it not okay for just anyone to say, hey, I was lowball? Because, I mean, Monique has an Oscar. She's been around for a while. I mean, maybe she is. I don't, I don't know. Maybe she is worth more than 500000 I I don't know. But... The, just the whole idea that we have to be so careful and calculated. Like, nah, nah, Monique, you need to step back and let Wanda take the face of this movement. I, I don't know. The whole thing is just... I mean, it is what it is, right? It's, it sucks. This deserves but... two seconds of silence, though. Just... Optics are everything. <laughs> <laughs> and she may not have been good optics, right? And, and But, like... Going back to sort of the idea that black women get paid less, someone mm. who I don't think anybody will argue deserves to be paid extremely well for her work is Octavia Spencer, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Octavia, Viola, all those names are up. Yes. Yes. Octavia Spencer recently, uh, I think it was to, uh, today when we are recording, uh, stated that Jessica Chastain and her were starting a movie coming out soon. Jessica Chastain fi- found out that Octavia Spencer made significantly less than she does. Which, in showbiz, I feel like when people say significantly, like when I say significantly, I'm thinking, oh, one or two thousand dollars. In showbiz, that's a different metric. Yeah, it's entirely different. So Jessica Chastain went to the studio and said, I'm tying my involvement in this movie to Octavia Spencer's salary. And so Octavia's salary went up five times what it was originally going to be. Right, and so that's sort of how you acknowledge the fact that hey, I have this privilege, I'm going to use it to make sure someone else is sort of paid with their worth. And Octavia Spencer is an amazing actress, and I saw Michael and I saw um, The Shape of Water, and there's a lot of stuff wrong with The Shape of Water, but none of them have to do with Octavia Spencer. Michael is our international man of mystery, who's also our producer. He's been mysteriously quiet. Good evening. (laughs) (laughs) And so you just want to sort of see someone who's so good at what she does finally get some some worse work. And when you talk about people who could be sort of the face of it, Octavia Spencer is someone who could go out and say, I have an Oscar. I've been nominated three times in a row now, is it? Right. She's nominated this year, she was nominated last year, and she might have been nominated the year before. She clearly is worth more than what they were paying her. And is a person who could easily make that argument. So why isn't her representation getting her more money? Mm. 
it is a complicated situation. Like they should be asking for her to get more money. But if could you imagine if you say, "Hey, I need more money," and your studio says, "Well, you're not really that great. We'll go find the other forty-five-year-old black actress to take your spot." All right, so it becomes difficult. Yeah. It becomes difficult when studio thinks you, thinks that you can be replaced by other 45-year-old black actors. Right. That, yeah. And you want to work. And you deserve to work. You deserve to work. You love working. Yep. You so you don't want to endanger that. Damn good at your job. Even when you're in movies about fucking fish. I mean, because, <laughs> I mean, it's just... Fish man. It, fish man. <laughs> Because I can only imagine how, well, actually, I can't even imagine how torturous it must be to have spent all this time focusing on the craft of being an actor. And, I mean, invested all this time, probably money, sweat, tears, blood, and years and years. And finally, people are starting to notice you. And it's like, the money or do I keep doing what I can to practice my craft? Like that's, yeah, that's, that's the catch 22 if I ever heard one. And can someone get Octavia Spencer a role that does not involve her cleaning up somebody else's mess? Please. You know what? Like even, even when she played a brilliant, uh, engineer, she was still cleaning up somebody else's mess. Basically. Because we keep remaking Gone with the Wind. Period, point blank, and end of story. Even in movies about fucking fish men. So yeah, give up Tavis Spencer Brother Rolls and pay her what she's worth. And she's funny. She's really she funny. She is so funny. Drunk History. So good as Harriet Her playing Harriet Tubman. Oh my gosh, Real she is good. so funny. So good as Harriet Tubman. Well, I'm sorry. So, Derek Waters, since he does Drunk History, when is he going to do some more stuff since he seems to be able to recognize when people are talented and stuff? I mean, I'm just saying. He had Tiffany Haydish. So, however, representation has, you know, gotten a, a notch up. Black Lightning. Black Lightning. I like so much about Black Lightning. And then there's so things, many things I don't like about Black Lightning, but I like most of it. Um, if for those who haven't watched, Black Lightning pr- premiered on the CW last week. Yes, absolutely. This would be this week's episode would be episode two, season one. Yep, and it is currently the second highest rated show on the CW right now, behind The Flash. Of course, um, Barry and Iris forever. Uh, it follows Black Lightning. Uh, Jefferson Pierce is the principal. <laughs> Jefferson Pierce used to be Black Lightning nine years ago. He gave it up. To he gave take, it up. Take care of his kids. Um, and now his city has gone to crap, and he's putting back on the suit and doing all the lightning stuff. So for those of you who need a point of reference, it's like Joe Clark meets Luke Cage and... Storm. Storm. Yes. Boom. All three of those came together. And that that is Jefferson Pierce and Black Lightning. Um, it's a really good show. It's from Greg Berlanti. So the same guy, well, he's the executive producer. Um, and he executive produced all the CW, DC comic book shows. But its showrunners are Salim Akil and Mara Brock Akil, who are best known for probably Girlfriends, Mara anyway, and The Game. Um, and they sort of bring that sensibility to the show. Uh, 
the show deals a lot with gang violence and issues of police brutality and deals with them well to an extent. But, I mean, really, they just, they made black people's lives sound really, really shitty. Like, he dealt with police brutality, gang violence, like, everything in, in like, apparently one week. In the first ten minutes of the first episode, Jefferson uh, had to get his daughter out of jail. Yep. He saw his wanted poster in the police department because, as Black li- not Lightning, because yep. Black Lightning is wanted yep. as a vigilante. He's not considered a superhero, even though other superheroes exist in his world. Yep. Um, and then he was going in a suit to his the high school where he's the principal and got pulled over by a cop just because he was a black guy driving a car. You, and he matched the description. So, but he didn't, though. He didn't, though. Because <laughs> that is a very distinctive-looking gentleman <laughs> who's playing Black Lightning, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't match a lot of descriptions. No, no, he does not. Um, <laughs> and so that, in that first 10 minutes, it showed you what the show was going to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And which was... It was good and bad. I, it was nice to know up front sort of what we were going into. Yeah, we we, we got Friedland. I think the second episode worked better than the first. Have you seen it? I have not seen okay. the second episode. Uh, then I won't spoil the second okay. episode. But I think the second episode, although just as sort of, I think it's a little heavy-handed, but I think it works better in the first than the first episode because... Like most pilots, you're trying to sort of mm-hmm. get in there and find everything out. Yeah, there's a lot of weight on a pilot. You're trying to introduce, build a story arc, and, get all these other characters in it. Yeah. And not only are you introducing it, in this you have to sort of establish Freeland as this awful place to live. Like, mm. Gotham is an awful place to live, but it's an awful place with excellent art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Direction or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you kind of want to live in... Um, it's like a circus. It's like a it's huge, like a circus. crazy circus. Whereas Freeland is like... A, the worst part of the worst city that you see every day. Mm-hmm. It's filmed in Atlanta. Um, you see a lot of the city around, and it actually makes it kind of sad for the city of Atlanta. R.I.P. Amanda Davis. Um, and so it's a little heavy-handed. It is. But I the cast is good. Um, the lead guy is excellent. Mm-hmm. And overall, not bad, but it's a little heavy-handed. And I knew that going into it, because Mara was a little heavy-handed on Girlfriend's she was a little heavy-handed on the game, so I sort of expected some of that going into it. Yeah, I appreciated the the lighting yeah. on the skin tones. Like yeah. I always look at oh that. The lighting on the in, on the skin tones is is hard to achieve if you don't have somebody who's focused on that, especially for brown folks. Yeah, the, the cinematography is very good. Yes, I, oh god, lighting um, darker skin. I had to, I shot, my thesis was a comic book movie, and I actually hired a, well, I didn't hire, I wasn't paying or anything, <laughs> but my DP was a black woman, specifically because I wanted to make sure she was going to pay attention to how my black lead, lead actor was lit. So, uh, that's incredibly important, and you don't always see it. Like, The Flash, it's all very flat, so they don't really do a whole lot with lighting the West family. But they're not, partic- I mean... Comparing them to Luke Cage, you don't have as broad a spectrum of yeah. brownness. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, the lighting on Luke Cage was incredible. Yeah. 
And the lighting on Black Lightning is incredible. It because is. Because his, his ex-wife, I mean, those high cheekbones and they... Her cheekbones and her, the fact she has such short hair and they... She looks amazing. Yes. The entire she's gorgeous. Show, she is gorgeous. And his daughters are both gorgeous. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm sorry I got stuck on the ex-wife. There's a scene in the second episode uh, that where you see one of his daughters lit mm. that is... Pretty freaking amazing, but I'm not going to spoil it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, watch Black Lightning. It's a good show. I liked it. Yeah, I'm going to keep watching. I'm glad it's not set in the same universe as The Flash because it's an that's entire... what I'm going to ask. How do you feel about it not being in the Arrowverse? I'm okay with it not being in the Arrowverse. Right? I, I like the fact that in the Arrowverse, the worst city in the world is Star City. Because oh yeah, like I didn't even think about that issue. Yeah, that's... It, it, it's it's a interesting issue, issue to see that Oliver and um Blacklight and Jefferson are both sort of saviors of these sort of bad rundown cities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Oliver City is very white, right? And the issues that Oliver City's face faces are very different than what Jefferson is dealing with. Oliver is all about finances and the mob and the Russian mafia coming in and terrorist attacks. <laughs> Whereas Jefferson is dealing with, there's a street gang who wants to murder and pimp out girls, right? Sex trafficking right there. Sex trafficking right there in the city. So though I don't need those two cities in the same place, because you would start to see how silly Oliver City issues are Mm -hmm. compared to the Mm -hmm. real world issues of Jefferson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't want them in the same universe. Mm -hmm. And see, I'm watching some past seasons of Arrow right now, like, Season two, actually, with the mayor, mm-hmm. and and so, yeah, yeah. I I didn't even think about that, but that's extremely interesting. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Wow. They don't need wow. to be in the same universe. They don't. They wouldn't work. Yeah. Because do you really? And do you really want Barry Allen as the Flash showing up to help out? I mean, because yeah, he's that character, right? He's so helpful, and he wants to help everybody. Love Grant Gustin. Love you, dude. But such a helpful character. Do you really want him just, like, swooshing in to... Like, making cracking jokes. Hi, guys. And you can see the, the shift in tone because they yes. air the same night from Flash to Black Lightning. Those are very different shows, and I don't think... Although I would love to see Black Lightning on a, Lightning on a crossover, I'm okay with him not being in the same universe. Yeah, I think I would more enjoy seeing Black Lightning on the Flash more so than seeing Barry Allen. On yeah, I don't. Black want, Barry Allen does not belong. <laughs> he does not. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> can we fix this? <laughs> After he gets robbed of his leather jacket. <laughs> okay, could you, Barry Allen going against Tobias Well trying to crack jokes? No, that's not, it's not funny. That's not, Tobias Well is not funny. <laughs> Uh, Tobias Well is the main villain he is played by an albino black man and in the second episode this is a minor spoiler um, one of his henchmen says who's also black says man you really hate black people and Tobias says no I hate when we act like like newly freed slaves and sort of Tobias Well and Barry Allen don't belong in the same universe yeah that that comment alone has several layers of (laughs) political and social history that Barry Allen's just not prepared for not prepared for he's not prepared for what would he say i don't think he could say it and and to be fair the flash has never dealt really with race despite the fact that the central family is black like there one time when barry lost his memory um his uh wally he asked wally who are you and wally said i'm your brother and barry looked down and was like 
at his skin and was like, oh, and that's like the only time the Flash has ever explicitly sort of dealt with race. Which I get that they're trying to sort of establish a world where race is well, it, a post-racial world. Let's say that. They're trying to sort of be like, what would it be like if people weren't thinking about that? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, is nice sometimes, especially these days, to sort of go and be like, look, I can see a black girl married to this white guy, and it's all good, and nobody is tripping. Yeah, like she has this great dad and this great family, and that's that's the Flash. And I like the Flash for that. It is good for a Snickers break. Like, you need... <laughs> Every now and then, you just need a Snickers break. And it's like, okay, Flash, we're all really the same Although, on the inside. Are you caught up on the Flash? Yes. Okay, there are minor Flash spoilers here. Did you see that Get Out uh, storyline they they ripped straight from Get Out? Wait a minute. Where, um, who's the main villain? The thinker put his brain into a black man's body. And, and the black man was, like, dating his wife. It was basically Get Out. Oh, yes. Oh, my Oh, my gosh. That yeah. was, yeah, that was very. Like, I, and he was like, look beyond my eyes. And I'm well, like. And if I, you wanted her to do that, why did you pick somebody who looked nothing like you, bro? Like, he picked a young black man because he had an able body. A guy in a wheelchair picked a young black man's body to take over. So clearly you didn't want your wife to look past. And, I mean, because. And they didn't deal with race about it at all. Didn't yeah. even like, talk about. The but fact. he and his wife were also. I mean, she's. She looks brown. ethnic. But <laughs> she looks ethnic. Yeah, but her he, accent definitely is. He wasn't. Oh, no. And he took over he the body of not. a black man. And so. Oh, the, and that when you say it that way, it just sounds so bad. <laughs> and Arrow did not. <laughs> he did. took over. <laughs> He did. He took over the body of a black man, and Flash did not deal with race at all. And I love the Flash, but it does not deal with race. It's lead- I was I was more stuck on the fact that he was so much younger. I was like, girl, you better go on ahead. I mean, he did you a favor. Just go on. So, yeah. Do what you got to see. The Flash has a black family as a central family. Yes. Never deals with race. Um, black Lightning has a black family as a central family. Deals with race. It is about race. Yes. It is all about sort of culture and privilege and suffering at the hands of sort of society. I like them both. You should watch. Yeah. The the CW is really doing some great things. I'm impressed. I am too. I'm, I'm impressed, impressed. I'm impressed with Greg Rolanti, man. Keep doing you. Yes. Yeah. And he has a movie coming out and I just read the book for it. Uh he's well the book that it's based on. He's directed a movie called Love Simon and Wally West is in it. Keenan Lonsdale. Keenan Lonsdale. Is oh my gosh, Keenan, do you boo? Yeah. I love him. He's such a, like a carefree black boy. Yes, I love it. yes. Him with his purple hair. Yes, <laughs> Keenan, do you boo? Love him. International man of mystery. Yes. What's he thinking about? I was thinking about what you were saying about how you liked the Flash. And sort of the vision of the post-racial world mm-hmm. versus shows that are more realistic. Mm-hmm. And kids growing up and how it must be important for them to see both how mm-hmm. things could be, but also how things are. Yeah. Because if they only see one or the other, they're either going to be ignorant or jaded. Yeah. yeah. 
That's true. It's almost like uh, it's like they did it on purpose. They did it on purpose. They probably did. It's like a you know, it's like when you have like you know you're gonna have a savory meal, and so your appetizer is like a little bit sweet. And then we're gonna talk this to you, right? I haven't been watching Supergirl, so I can't comment. I have not either. I should probably <laughs> no, you catch up. No, you'll need to. Wow. <laughs> Any other? Oh, I can't stop thinking about that awful scene in The Shape of Water mm. where the whole bathroom fills up with water. The Lucy scene, as yeah. I have been referring to it, because I didn't see the movie, but upon the description, I was like, that sounds like a scene from The Lucy Show. The Shape of Water is an interesting movie in that it is visually very, very good, and I think Guillermo del Toro should win the Oscar, but it is so silly. It is such <laughs> a silly movie. Right? It's like, oh, here's a fairy tale. But she's falling in love with a fish. At some point, Octavia Spencer actually says, did you fuck that fish? Uh, <laughs> is such There's that? really no good answer to that question. Right? Because if you say yes, it's like, really? And if you say no, it's like, but I thought you did. That's why I asked this question. Like, yeah, there's no good answer to that. Michael <laughs> Shannon is doing whatever Michael Shannon does. And there are some good parts of it, but a lot of it is just really silly. If you took away the nudity... And the sex. It'd be like a really ridiculous Saturday morning cartoon. Hmm. <laughs> of a girl falling in love with a fish. I did often find myself asking, what is this movie really about? I mean, but is that any different from Beauty and the Beast, though? No. It, it, <laughs> she's, well... I mean, except, I mean, of course... Was, there's the Cold War. That's, that's in there. Um, racist 1950s America. Racist 1950s America. Wonderful. Apparently, but apparently to some people, that was the best America that we had. Oh, some people thought that. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I'd, I, re- I would recommend watching it because I think it looks good, but I don't think it should be winning any Oscars. So what you're saying is just like, watch it with the sound off? Is that what I'm hearing? No, I, I had fun at the movie, right? Mm-hmm. I had fun oh, watching. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. It's just, a, it's, just a, it's kind of silly. But I had fun watching it. So, I'm looking at both Michael International Men of Mystery and Yvonne, like, very sort of non-committally because Yvonne has been trying to get me to watch This Is Us for quite some time. And I oh, refuse don't start to do now. That. Do not start now. Well, I mean, clearly when I start, I was going to start at the beginning and, you know, move forward. But I'm just not going to do it because every time I sign on to Facebook and someone's talking about This Is Us, they're crying. They're talking about how they stayed up 30 minutes after the episode was over on the phone with their mom or their sister. And they were just like in tears. And I just can't handle that. That just sounds like way too much for me because my life is lived in three stages. Either I have actively repressed the need to cry. I am actively trying to repress the need to cry or I am crying. Okay. Then you don't need, this is us because that's what it sounds like. It is. I hate the idea of good cry. You get a good cry out of it. That's what this is. Saying. You are bawling and it, the show is designed to make you cry. It's a show designed to make you cry. So yeah. yeah. Like a Barbara Walters interview. Kind of. Kinda. Because like, I cried, you know, I cried a little bit during a couple of episodes of Arrow. Like, oh my God. No, no. I've never cried during Arrow. I cry at least every other episode of This Is Us. 
You mm-hmm. you don't cry when the gunshot and he's like survive. Just a little bit, just like oh my god, no. Nope. So oh okay. Well, clearly I cry very easily. So <laughs> yeah, this doesn't be bad for you. So maybe Michelle should not watch this. <laughs> if we do, I feel like you should live record me watching it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah with the crying like i didn't understand <laughs> i need to live record you watching the bachelor oh mm. oh he's creepy he's awful that picture of him so i me in reality shows we have a very sordid past um but yvonne sent me a very specific picture of Ari. Ari. Wonderful. Um, on a motorcycle. Yes. Lovely. Um, and it was not what I thought I was going to see when you told me you were sending me a picture of the bachelor. I um I don't I didn't watch The Bachelor. The Bachelor's been on what, fifteen years? I started watching Girl, I thought it was on like season twenty two or twenty three or something. Cause they do some interim seasons, like where it's like Bachelor superstars, or I don't know. Okay, they're on. A, they've done a lot. They're on season twenty two, but they used to like some girl. They used know. to do two a year until they got the Bachelor. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I wa- I watched this season of the Bachelor. Ari is the creepy old man. He's your creepy uncles, but he's mm. not that old. He's thirty seven, but he comes off as older. And I turned thirty seven this year. And he's currently there's a twenty two year old there that he did not get rid of. Who he's currently still dating. (laughs) Who looks like she read every rule in the Manic Pixie Dream Girl guidebook. You think I'm dangerous. You want me because I don't need you. No, girl, you're not dangerous. You're on The Bachelor. You couldn't be that dangerous. Uh, If you were dangerous, you'd be in the Marines. uh, Harvey's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) If you're dangerous, girl, you need to join the Marines. She's a nanny. We need but she's you. clearly an actress who is sitting there waiting for her show on Freeform. Been a while. Just know, don't watch The Bachelor this season. It's awful. Or it's he, creepy. I mean, he thought he was doing it on that motorcycle. Like, oh. he is posed up with his skinny jeans and his, I'm assuming, what must be a Hanes V-neck undershirt. Um, holding the helmet, you know, like under the arm, like the I'm cool. Was this like Vladimir Putin on the horse? <laughs> yes, except he had on a shirt. Okay. Which would have actually made Vladimir Putin on the horse better. Extremely much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he had he had on a shirt, he had a hat, and he said some of the most sexist stuff. He was like, uh, if you if you feel sad, just lean on me and I'll make you feel better because I'm the man. Like what? <laughs> what? Huh? And then the girl's like, we're going to get lost in the woods. Wait a minute, hold on. Why Why is anyone sad if they're appearing on The Bachelor? It, I mean, has something happened in their outside lives? Or why are you sad? Because they're afraid they're going to go home. Because they want oh. Ari and not Instagram followers. Now, see, I assume that at least half of those girls on there want to go home. Know they're going home and they're just there for oh, shiggles. All of them are on there for shiggles and oh. Instagram followers so they can start shilling stuff on Instagram. Oh, like that uh that detox tea. Yeah, the that flat detox, tummy tea. The flat tummy tea. Flat tummy tea. I will I will try it. Does it work? I have a no It makes you highly <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean I guess if you poop enough you will have a flat tummy. Exactly. That's the only reason those girls are on there. You know what? Kylie Jenner tried it. She said it works. Um Sure. Yeah. Send me some. I will definitely 
make it into a smoothie and try it. We will. You, if you have some gummy bear hair stuff, we'll we'll talk about that stuff too. I'm not taking Ooh. it. No, <laughs> because people like say it makes your nails grow. I'm good. <laughs> I only have nails on one hand. They're fine. You don't want to be that woman who's like, can you open my soda? <laughs> my nails. And on that note, <laughs> do you have anything else to add? Guys? Well, speaking of things that make you cry, did you see Coco? No. Oh, that just sounds like it's going to make me cry somehow. Um, mm-hmm. I'm good. No. Coco, that... Mm-mm. I can't do... The last time I went and saw a Disney movie that everybody told me not to see... And I went to the theater and saw it, and, <laughs> up, and I bawled. No oh, goodness. So I'm going to tell you, I've not seen Coco, don't know what it is. So I'm assuming either this is a story about a small child who was abandoned. This is a story about a dog, again, abandoned. Or some kitten somewhere that was shoved into a box and thrown into the middle of the street and abandoned. This sounds like something that's going to make me cry. I cried at Arrow. Arrow. Mm-hmm. Arrow. I cried when Barry came back from the Speed Force. Spoiler oh, alert. Oh, you are a crier. Yes, that's what I'm trying. I've been trying to tell you all this. When he came back from the Speed Force, he was like talking gibberish. I was like, <laughs> You're a crier. <laughs> Don't go. You left us. Yeah, okay. No, you can't watch Coco. <laughs> I can't watch Coco. I can't watch This Is Us. I barely made it through um, the one with Princess Tiani. The, the Princess and the Frog? Yes. Tiana. Tiana. <laughs> I barely made it through that one. So, you know, it's not really looking good. Michelle cannot watch Disney movies. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw The Holiday with uh, Cameron Diaz and Jude Law you and Kate Winslet. You cried at that? Um, yeah, because she, like, cried for, like, the first time in 15 years. Yeah, nope. Um, that was super emotional. And it was, like, Christmas? Yeah, you're crying. The holiday had Jack Black, right? Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and Cameron Diaz. (laughs) (laughs) It it works just as well as as you think it does. And uh, oh god, Eli Wallach, who was I mean when he when they made it, he was like 90 years old, but he had been in like a lot of like old stuff. He was the one with Queen Latifah. Is that last holiday? Last holiday. Okay. Okay. Different movie entirely. Also bad. I also cried. Let's go over the, I also cried at that last Hobbit movie. I uh, didn't see the Hobbit movies. Uh, okay, first of all, let me not lie. I cried at all of the Hobbit movies. <laughs> I also cried at the last Lord of the Ring movie. I'm going to be honest. I cried. And not just at the end. At several points throughout the movie. <laughs> Michelle. Did you know that Frodo had PTSD and that's why he wanted to die? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I cried when at that part too. Do you know Frodo and I have the same birthday? What? What? And Bilbo too. You know they all have the same birthday. Huh. I read that book three times. Now, if I could do a you know a flashback, I did say I read the Bible two times. <laughs> <laughs> I read Lord of the Rings, including all the appendices. <laughs> You have your priorities in order, man. I do. I do, because I, I did a lot of crying uh, with Lord of the Rings. And, uh, I'm trying to uh, which book have I read more than... I've read Pride and Prejudice five times. Well, no, I've read Pride and Prejudice about ten times. Very important. Yeah, I, I read it over and over again. I'm probably going to go home and read it tonight. Uh, yeah. Pride and Prejudice. 
is extremely important. It is. I d- no, I didn't grab Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Darcy. He's perfect. He is. He's ruined okay, men for so me. I, wait a minute. I cried at the version of Pride and Prejudice with Judy Dench and uh, Kira Knightley. What? The mm-hmm. version is awful. But Mr. Okay. Darcy is no. not. That guy who played Mr. Darcy, uh, he is the bomb. All right, next podcast we do. Javon is going to teach Michelle about every single version of Pride and Prejudice. I know, Because I, I have know. seen yes. them all. I know, I know, I know, I know. That one is not good. But Mr. Darcy. There is one version of Pride and Prejudice that matters. Okay, and of course the it's, one with Colin Firth. It's Colin Firth. Right, I get you, I get you. And if you want a good laugh, the... Full Bollywood one with a trauma rye is also pretty <laughs> hilarious. Okay, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wuthering Heights with um Tom Hardy. That's all right. I didn't cry, but it was, it I was emotional. I don't cry in a lot of movies. I cried, cry. Apparently, I cried very many movies. If you want to make Michelle cry, just talk about pretty much anything and she'll start sobbing. Happens. <laughs> But I do want to point out that when it snowed and people kept posting on Facebook pictures of those frozen animals, I did cry because I was not prepared for that. Who did that? Numerous people, real people were like, posting, like, don't leave. Because I mean, okay, so first of all, some people are assholes and shouldn't have pets. Yeah. And they were leaving their pets outside mm. when it was snowing. And people were posting pictures of like frozen dead dogs and kitties on Facebook. That would make me, no, still wouldn't cry. I post spoiler alerts on like, I mean, not only spoiler alerts and trigger warnings on everything. Like I assume everything makes everyone cry all the time. And apparently I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last movie I cried at. Call me by your name. Oh God, I cried at Call Me By Your Name. (laughs) Ah! I did cry at Call Me By Your Name. Did you see Call Me By Your Name, Michael? I didn't, but I've heard about it. Oh, there's a monologue at the end that will leave you sobbing. And it left me sobbing. Oh, is that part of the one that um, Army Hammer posted on his Instagram yeah. where he was? Oh, it, well, I he literally said about twenty words, and I was like, I just I can't handle this. Yes, because when he said, "Look me in the eye," I was like, oh. <laughs> "It's a good movie." <sighs> that it, was a good model. It should win Best Picture, but it won't. The oh. racist three billboards will. And um, his awesome shorts. <laughs> I didn't know that movie was racist. I haven't seen it yet. It's not racist. It just has a very complicated way of dealing with racist cops, right? It wants me to, it wants me to be okay with a racist cop becoming the hero without redeeming his racism. Except through apparently just focusing his violence somewhere else. Yep. So that's sort of the issues that I have with it. All right, I think we gotta wrap it up. We have to wrap it up, boys and gargoyles. So, we are Black Zyety. I'm Michelle. I'm Yvonne. And I always have to introduce our international man of mystery and producer, Michael. Good evening. <laughs> and of course, that's Black Zyety, B-L-A-X-I-E-T-Y. You can find us at blackzyety.com. If you want to send us an email, and we would love to receive an email from you, blackzyety at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram at blackzyety. And, of course, obviously, our podcast is Black Zyety as well. Thank you for listening. We have enjoyed just, like, chopping it up with you. And um, we hope you'll listen to our next episode. And just to toss us off at the end, if you want to, like, if you like us, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Please. 
Uh, leave a comment. We read them. We so, do. Thanks. Have a good day. Whatever. Yeah, because we're black and we're anxious, so we read all of the comments. Oh, you should see me when I read teacher evaluations. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.